Hey everybody, this is episode number eight of Dark Pages Podcast, where we talk about uh, mechanical uh, intricacies of the game Dark Souls. I'm your host, Gord. And I'm Justin. And today we're talking about Duke's Archives. The Duke's Dear Archives. the last big zone that we want to talk about. I think after this it's just a bunch of uh, different zones scattered about. And uh, you can only get here after you've got the Lord Vessel and you put it on the thing, and then there's a, a gold fog gate that drops, and you are dropped into a big long hallway with a, an angry pig. And uh, you, yeah, however you get by it, you uh, find another big long hallway with another pig. Uh, this is sort of the, the, the From Software joke hallway pig. Yep. Comes back in Bloodborne 2. Yeah. Uh, Bloodborne 2, the bloodening. This might be the only time where uh, there are two of them in quick succession. Sort of a, mm. a, a twist to catch the people who were already expecting. You, you see, you expect the first pig, but you don't expect <laughs> the second pig. Yeah. Uh, once you get through there, you get to uh, an elevator with a big old switch. And you pull it, and the elevator goes up, uh, and you get into a room with a bunch of new things. Some things are familiar. You could so there's a crystal golem, which mm-hmm. uh, drops a thing for the DLC, right? Yep. And you've seen one of those before, potentially, if you went down and fought the Hydra. Mm-hmm. Or even if you've just walked through that zone, and then turned around and run away. Yeah, these are not a. This is not the first time you could have seen one of these. This is just a visual indicator that uh, something here is connected to something there. And if you take the pendant there, you'll uh, get to go see a new zone. Yeah, but just in terms of the layout, you know, you come up and then there's a, a room, just a room full of enemies. Mm-hmm. There's also a uh, narrow doorway into a much larger room. And if you go too close to this doorway, you get nuked by something far away. Yeah, and that's sort of what this zone is about. It's about using the, the vertical trappings of the level to... Avoid getting sniped. Mm-hmm. There are there are some channels here, channelers here, and they will uh, take advantage of you being out in the open. Yep, you're in a big library. This is the entirety of this level is mostly just this one big room that you're mm-hmm. slowly working your way up and down. There are Hogwarts style moving staircases all over <laughs> that you'll have to manipulate in order to progress your way through this sort of, I don't know, some might call it an archive. <laughs> um, I guess the idea is that uh, since Seath is so big, he can't just walk around uh, through normal-sized library hallways uh, and aisles. So there's just this big, giant room with tall, tall, tall bookshelves and 
this big dragon just wiggles around and uh, is tall enough that he can reach the highest shelves. There are la- there are ladders and stuff and stairs for. Cause, I mean, I guess the chattelers work for him, so they they got to use the library like a normal person. But it's got to be big enough to accommodate Seath's girth. And let me tell you, Seath is pretty girthful. <laughs> you don't uh, you don't actually ever encounter him in one of these rooms. That's true. But you will soon. Uh, yep. you, uh, you you navigate through some stairs, pretty straightforward. You go outside and see some bright, almost sunlight. And then you dive back in and you get murdered. Yeah, very early you will walk up, uh, I guess you go up a little flight of stairs and, and down this hallway and open the door into, I don't know, like Seath's ba- bathroom or something. Like, I don't know <laughs> what he's doing in there. There's nothing in this room. Uh, he's just chilling. And he, being a dragon, realizes, I mean, I guess he doesn't realize, this is, this is a thing that he is aware of, and that you are made aware of, that he is better than you at basically everything. <laughs> and so he, he looks at you and you fall over, you just have a heart attack, you just fall over you're, uh, and die. Yeah, this is a scripted death, there's no way around it. You can leave through the fog door, the fog wall, mm-hmm. but you can't progress Yep. Your goal as a player is to go in here and die. Which is unique in this game. It's, I think, unique for the series, even. The closest thing that I can think of, and it's weird because it's a, it, you know, it, it displaces you because it's not, you, you die, but you respawn in a prison instead of back where you were. And I don't know what they're doing with that. Like, clearly they just wanted to make this a cool sequence where it's like you get captured and I don't know how it changes what your respawn is narratively. Not that it really matters. Narratively speaking, uh, Seath grabs you, shoves you into a cell, and uh, you are now one of his experiments. Right. There's no real reason that you can't just immediately use your, uh, your, your, your magical warping powers that you just earned to just leave. Yeah, this bonfire, it will tell you that you can't warp from it, right? Mm-hmm. If you try, it's similar to the one in the painted world. Um, so this is this is a this is an idea that uh, FromSoft revisited in Bloodborne, uh, I think, much more effectively. Hmm. When uh, there's an enemy, called, I think it's called a Bagman. They have big bags, and they will uh, grab you and and kill you. But the implication is that they've stuffed you into their bag and brought you to where you wake up. Hmm. Instead of just die, having you just die. Something similar happens in Dark Souls 3, where you climb into uh, a cage on somebody's back. And it uh, you don't die, but... No, you just wake up. So that's that's more like the bird that, tell, that lets you move around. That's not yeah. a... The only way to get out of there, though, is to uh, homeward bone or... I don't know. Climb back in. <laughs> no, but you, do, you have it's... to let yourself get killed by the bagman, similarly. Hmm. It's just that it doesn't actually kill you, which is counterintuitive, some might say, but not wonky in the same way that this is, because Bloodborne's world works differently. Also, it's very clear how you got to where you were, because he's got a big bag. He just (laughs) shoves you in it. But yeah, and so you're in prison, you can very quickly wake out, or break, break out, break on through to the other side. Just wig out, man. Yeah. And there are some snake men here from uh, from Sens that are ringing a big bell as soon as they see you escape. Ah, the prisoner has escaped. They're all hands on deck. That read to me as a this, this goofy novelty-sized 
gramophone. It's got a big horn coming off of it, and he uh, he turns a crank to start this alarm. Yeah, and you can explore the other cells. There's not a lot in there. There's some enemies, I guess. Mm-hmm. But your your goal is to get up to this guy turning this gramophone crank bell siren thing to to shut off the alarm so that guards will stop coming. Uh, you can also go down to the very bottom and fight the uh, Picassas, which are just like the, some random... The Mimosas. Yeah. Uh, two of them are non-hostile, and they are called... I think that they have names. I don't know if these names are official, or if they're they're fan names. I don't think they're official. They're just assumed based on what they drop. Big, big sis and little sis. Mm-hmm. They're, these are these are people that Seath has turned into octopus people. Yeah. And Big Hat Logan is down there, also in prisons. He's like, came to came to find Seath's secrets, but he locked me up <laughs> instead. You can, uh, you're, you seem to be good at Letting me out of places. <laughs> yeah, you've got so, to, uh, you gotta go find a key. Yeah. An extra key. But, uh, this is, so this entire room is circular. You're sort of walking around the perimeter, uh, which could, you know, inclines. You walk upstairs around the perimeter, the spiral staircase up to where There's this guy is. where you can drop down. Yep. But it's mostly just to sort of force you to fight a succession of these snake people in very narrow quarters. Because mm-hmm. you, you know they've got a, they can easily knock you off if you go to one side. You could easily knock them off, but they will. There are a lot of them, and I think do, are any of these casters? I don't remember. Uh, not to my memory. I think that they're all the melee ones, which is surprising given how the the main room of seats is like all channelers try to snipe you. I'm surprised that they didn't put one of the casters doing that here too. Mm-hmm. But um, Rhea of Thorland is also here. In this uh, spiral, in one of the one of the little cells, and she sells miracles. Um, hmm. I think you had did you, you you may have had to rescue her in the catacombs first. I don't remember, but she she can show up here. Cool, and s- sell you miracles. Uh, isn't that only after you clear it out? Something there's something there. Yeah, not not directly related to the level design, so not like not not something that we're super concerned with. But she is she is here, so there is a reason. For you to explore the cells, even though they're mostly empty. Uh, one of the cells does have the Archive Tower extra key, which lets you open up a shortcut. Mm-hmm. Um, not critical path, um, but, you know, it's it's there to let you get through this. But the goal for you here is to work your way all the way to the top, shut off the gramophone, and then pr- get back into that big room that it comprises most of this zone. Although, mm-hmm. I would, it does not... It comprises most of the zone in terms of the time that you'll spend there, and also the combat. But it, I think in terms of geography, it's actually the second largest area mm-hmm. of the zone. The largest being the green field outside. I don't know. There, there could be an argument made for the caves later on. Well, Crystal like Cave is like a, Crystal a, Cave is a different zone than this, right? This is just the Duke's art. Crystal Cave is technically a a new card. Hmm. hmm. We're, we're, we're going to talk about it. Like, we're not yeah. going to just, we're not going to just leave out because it's a, it is a room that is, Crystal Cave is, is a single small room, basically. But, and just in terms of the geography of the archives, uh, the outside area is, it's quite large. And it's claustrophobic though. Empty. Well, it's filled with those golems. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a, before we get there, there's, uh, now that we're approaching these two big rooms from a different direction, 
Uh-huh. There, uh, there, there are some more things to interact with. We can turn those mm-hmm. big old stairs, and we can uh, walk up some platform, uh, walk up some stairs to get to some higher platforms, and then turn the stairs again and get to uh, a diff- more, more different platforms. You're just going to be doing that a lot. Yeah. So this zone is, is so if you if you think about the uh, back of the catacombs where they had that platform that rotated, mm-hmm. uh, it rotated. Uh, I guess. Top and bottom, these rotate side to side to open and close different pathways. But it's basically the same idea that you're just manipulating this uh, staircase or path in order to open and close ways of getting from one place to the other. That is the the idea behind this zone, is like slowly progressing yeah. by moving these. And they there are a lot of non-critical path little nooks and crannies that you can open temporarily by moving these staircases one way or the other to get you treasure. Mm-hmm. There is a, uh, eventually you'll get to a bonfire on a balcony overlooking a forest, which yep. is the next place you're going to go. Yep. Uh, you get into a, a tiny little secret library. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, Big Hat Logan, once you free him, shows up in here. Yeah, and he's uh, not... Yeah, uh, some, in the past ten minutes he somehow <laughs> went crazy. He made it to the secret library, presumably, read some secret knowledge, and it was just too much for him. Yep. You could also pick up Channeler's gear here if you want to look like a Channeler. Uh, there's an Ember here. There is, I think, uh, a Selkie for the Archive Tower. There's just this, this secret library is just sort of riddled with treasure. Mm-hmm. But from there, you, you go out and you can uh, get out into that field. You pull a sweet lever yep. and go down a sweet ramp. Yep. And then uh, 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 <laughs> then you go down a regular ladder. Bunch of trees. Yeah, of note is that uh, by this ramp is are a, a treasure that contains 20 prism stones. And these are uh, being given to you for a very important reason. Mm-hmm. Like, like the placement of these, a lot of the placement of treasure in this is just treasure for the sake of treasure. There's a lot of twinkling titanite. There are just, you know... Blue Titanite chunks because of magic and enchantments and crystal and blue is the color of this zone, more or less. All of the, a lot of the enemies have these blue crystals coming out of them. There's a crystal knight shield from a mimic, but these are actually fu- fun- functional. Like the, they are providing these to you just in case you do not have any present stones. Because if you are not using a guide, they will be nigh required for navigating hmm. the crystal cave. Yep. There is a golden crystal golem out in the field that turns into an NPC if you kill it. Yeah. Related to another NPC. Beloved yeah. NPC. So you uh, you go down into this this mouth. This cave mouth. Yeah. So interestingly, you can see that there... Uh, I think these are on the outside. There's a there's a crystal butterfly on the outside of the cave, right? Or is it only, only on the inside? Hmm. Uh, there might be, yeah, and I've just not noticed. I thought there that. was. I thought that there was one on the outside, but yeah. Once you get inside the the moonlight butterfly boss, is just there are just a bunch of them all over, and yeah. they're they're not hostile. You will never need to fight one. You can. I mean, I guess you could fire an arrow or whatever <laughs> at it to aggro one, but they they are just for theming. Yeah, the idea is that this is this is where they're from. If you had to fight them on these narrow platforms, that would be. That'd be terrible. I wonder how that would go. I've never tried it, but the Moonlight Butterfly fight is very scripted. 
like he's only from one side, he switches from the left side to the right side in an animation, and he's got all of his... Like, I wonder what happens if there's no... if he's not restricted at all. If it's not restricted at all, and it could just... You know, like, what's keeping it from just flying into walls or even being able to face the right way? So I know that there is a ROM hack that replaces all of the enemies in the game with bosses. So <laughs> You just uh, walk in here and a bunch of them fall to their deaths. Ah, who knows? Well, okay, so I've seen... I think that they don't fall. Like, I know I was wa I watched a, a video of Lobos Jr. Uh, with uh, In the Painted World, there's that area around the bridge and uh, Sif, the Great Grey Wolf spot there was just floating like as if there were platforms like slightly above his head level okay so i i think that the the boss bosses might not have fall depending on the boss obviously oh there's certainly one that does yeah but certainly uh not all of them do based on that video mm. he also kept getting jumped by gwyn like a lot of enemies turned into gwyn and would just kill him <laughs> so that's a that's a good a good thing to see excellent yeah uh just a big old empty pit with nothing in it, as far as you can tell. So this is a zone that says to you, hey, pay, pay, pay attention, because you can see that there is snow falling, which is weird because you're inside. <laughs> I guess it's just cold enough that the water is, I guess, I figured that condensing. was just uh, crystals. It's just so Cri much magic that it's turning stuff into crystals that it's, yeah. Maybe. The only enemies that you'll fight here probably are crystal golems. They are just mm -hmm. hanging out. There are very narrow pathways down until you get to what seems like a bottomless pit. But if you look at this uh, this crystal dust, you can see that there are some places where it is floating in midair because there are invisible pathways all over in this uh, in this cave. And you just got to be observant here. You think that this is uh, the, you know magic. Seath doesn't need those. And yeah, man, what's really weird is how does Seath get across? Like they are not wide enough to hold him. Right. His wings are vestigial. Yeah. But this is what they gave you the prism stones for, is that you can throw them to see if the path is going to drop off. Also, there are just going to be a whole bunch of floating blood stains. Yeah, so the only place where you'll... You know, once, once you've seen these, the only place where you probably would need to keep testing, there is an optional invisible path over to a blue titanite slab that <laughs> does a, uh, a jog and will cause you to fall to your death. It just does a very... Bunch of right turns. Right turn, yeah. A 90 degree angle and then another one and then like a like a 60 or 70 degree angle at the end to the on slab. My first, on my first uh, run through this zone, I used, the, uh, used a bow and just kept plinking. And if the arrow uh, clattered against something, there was still ground there. Yeah. But... Not everybody has a bow, so that's why they give you those uh, prism yeah. stones. You're definitely supposed to use the prism stones. So you, you walk down what I guess is an invisible ramp, because it's going down. Down to a, a large open area. There's some clam, like clams with feet, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and uh, if you watch during their death animation, when they open up all the way, uh, they've got a bunch of pearls in them. And if you look closely at the pearls, they're just all skulls. Yeah, they're they're egg carriers, right? But they're not they're not like the eggs from from Isolate. These are these are different. They got their their eggs inside of them. And then you just hit the fog wall, and that's it. This is a very, in terms of the geography, this is a very small zone. I think that we've actually mentioned this before on our at Orlando episode. The, these later zones, in terms of the geography they cover, are relatively small. They're just really vertical. 
right? Mm-hmm. Because like at Orlando, you're going up and down inside of buildings or up and down on the rotating platform. Or even like Tomb of the Giants. Tomb of the Giants is just like a slow, methodical trek down, 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 down. But the geography is not very large or complicated because it's all vertical. Yeah. And Dukes, similarly, you're just moving around in this one room up and down, up and down, up and down, or in this circular spiral room, which is, again, an up and down. And this is, I don't know, it feels very different to me from the earlier zones like Blighttown, which Blighttown is huge, has Mm -hmm. an up and down segment, and then a really wide open segment at the bottom, or the... All of which you can traverse. Yeah, all, or the woods, which is just a huge open area. So they really condense things down into small tight chunks in this back half of the game. Yeah, in the even in the, the courtyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bunch of space, but there's nothing in there. There are a couple of points of interest, but you're not going to be spending a lot of time in there. Yeah, and I'm not sure why they did that. Well, I mean, maybe it's just because, as we can see with Isolith, like, they ran out of time. That zone wasn't yeah. finished. But maybe, I don't know if, that, if just in general... It's that's what we're seeing across the board in the second half of this game, or what? Developer fatigue. Yeah, who knows? And you don't see this in the later games, like the especially Dark Souls Three. Like those late zones are just as long as the early zones. They're pretty consistent. Mm. Another way to look at it is that these later zones are much more heavily refined, hey, except for Isolith, of course. But like Duke's Archives is uh, is really tight. Yeah, there's a lot going on. It, it'll probably take you the same amount of time to get through just because it's so condensed. But uh, just in terms of geography, there's less to talk about, I feel. Like, there's just not, like, there's not as much physical space to traverse. Yeah, and the the, uh, the, the, the mechanical stair switches, those are interesting, but you do it once and you, you get it. You, yeah. You've figured it out. You just need to do that a bunch more times. To these are these areas. I feel like in terms of the level design, there's less to talk about, but they're much more interesting in terms of the combat that you're doing. The enemies are much more aggressive, have more things that they can do. They throw them at you in different combinations that are more challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, they re- they're really doubling down on the the hard souls. My uh, my first cosplay, my in first real life, character play in uh, in in Dark Souls mm-hmm. was to level a sorcerer up a whole bunch uh stripped down naked put on logan's big old hat and uh use his staff and drop my summon sign at that bonfire Mm -hmm. did you name yourself big hat logan oh i did okay (laughs) so people would uh so people would not know it was you summon me up and then uh we would march off together to fight seeds but you'd go crazy and betray them. Fulfill? No, no. Uh, that's not until uh, purple uh, purple bros aren't around until Dark Souls three. Uh, I would. Uh, I don't know. It was fun to pretend to be fulfilling his destiny uh, to to go off and confront Seath and maybe not go crazy. It's too late, man. You went crazy. Yep. You went hollow. And remember, neither of us wants to see that. Yeah. So see, he's a big old room. It's just a room. Yep. What's interesting is that there's a there's like a, a little crystal in the back that you have to break in order to be able to hurt him. Yeah. At this point, you realize why you couldn't deal any significant damage to him while you were in that uh, that the scripted fight. Before. Yep. Uh, you could deal him damage, but he just heals up really quickly. Yeah, and even if you 
cheat and kill him, it just triggers mm-hmm. the you died cutscene anyway. <laughs> That's what you get. So you, uh, the interesting part about this room is that even though the room is huge, seat is massive. And if you want to get around him, you've got to run and run and run. Uh, and uh, he, presumably once he realized that you are on the loose, he made a beeline for the thing that is keeping him immortal. Which is this sweet crystal in the back. Most of this you're not going to get on your first playthrough. You got to comb through descriptions and a bunch of that, uh, a bunch of those ambient details. So you run around behind him, you smash that crystal, and now you just fight him a bunch. Yep. And he is blind. Although I don't know if it tells you that anywhere. <laughs> so if you wear something that disguises your footsteps, like the silent steps ring, or the the sneak spell, I believe is in this game. He will not be able to tell where you are, but somehow, I don't know, I found like he still always knows. Yeah. Interesting detail. Uh, that might be why the channelers wear helmets with six eyes on them. It's because they are his eyes. Uh, yeah, I think that that's implied. Like that, that seems, that seems like it's, it's obvious to me. Yeah, seems- that's definitely on the, the lore side and not the mechanical side. Uh, he's, he's, he's got a really, he's got a really wide turning radius. If you cut off his tail, you get a sword. Yep. You get you get the moonlight. And that's it. Great sword. Yeah. The you're done. The, yeah. So we're coming up to the end of this show. We've got what, like one or two episodes left. What do we have to say about like? I don't want to like spend a lot of time on this. This seems like a thing to do in the ne- the the last mechanics episode. Hmm. But like, what are we what are we thinking about the back half of this game? Do, is it as zo? Um, you know, like I said. Just quick thoughts to ponder for next episode. And, you know, listeners, write in if you have thoughts about the first half of this game versus the second half of this game. It's also What's possible going on here? by the time you've reached this place, you've, uh, you, you've uh, developed your mastery and are now just demonstrating it. Yeah, but I don't know. It feels like there's more to the first half of the game than the second half of the game. Especially, yeah. be- and I, I also wonder, like, were Ornstein and Smo intended to be the final boss? Hmm. Because people point to them as the hardest fight. It is really the high point, like the, the emotional, climactic high point of the game, right? Yeah. And I'm wondering, like, I'm really curious where, what the development cycle of this looked like in terms of them designing the zones and laying them out. But it's possible that, like, they designed this zone early and decided to put it late, or they, you know, like the painted world that they did first, but they didn't have a place for it. Obviously, Isolith was last. Um, but what what has caused, like, the the really... Is it just because they wanted to tutorialize in the beginning, teach you the ropes? Why, why did they dial the geography back so much in the back half of this game? If you, have, if you know, you know, or have thoughts about this, uh, please do send us an email uh, through our website contact form. You can go to redpagespodcast.com and use the contact form there. And tell us what you know, because I would love to I would love to hear about that. Well, you know, we'll we'll read it out on the air if anybody writes it in. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the uh that's that's the end of this episode, I guess, too, right? That's it. It's a very short episode. The mixed bag episode. Yeah, that's the episode where we talk about all the zones that aren't worth dedicating an entire episode to, uh, <laughs> but are still worth Little talking about. Which means Ash Lake. not Isolith. <laughs> 
Yes, and thank you to our Patreon backers who continue to make this possible. Thank you guys for, you know, showing up every month, helping us cover our costs, helping us justify, you know, being able to take the time to record these podcasts, even if they are relatively short like this episode. You know, mm. we are we are limited only by our own free time and how much there is to actually talk about in the layout of the Dark Souls level in this case. <laughs> but if you like this podcast, uh, you know, and you want to support us and our other podcasts, Red Pages Podcast, where we interview game developers and our upcoming podcast, Golden Pages Podcast, which will replace this show once it concludes, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash redpagespodcast. Check us out there. Get into a Slack. Our Slack is like increasingly active and full of people and cool. Uh, yeah, I, I'm really, I'm really enjoying. Like, there's just constant conversation there these days, which is, is you know, we've we've hit that critical mass. So, uh, and if you know if you can or you don't want to or whatever, if you hate this podcast, you know, you, you just maybe turn it off. Stop listening well, to it. No one's, no one's, no one's forcing you to listen to it. So, come on, uh, you know, this is this is not this is not an obligation. Back us on Patreon. Or don't. So that we have to listen to you complain about how bad we are. Oh, yeah. That's the best revenge. <laughs> All right. Uh, what, do we, what do we say at the end of these episodes? Uh, Neither of us wants to see you go holla. You and this land are one. <laughs>